You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Manning, Beckham, what a throw! What a catch! Welcome back to Season 2 of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into this show. Be sure to dis- to download and subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow the show on Twitter. Big off-season coming up, right, Mike? That's right, Grump. We can finally stop crying about how pathetic we are and stop agonizing about watching all our rivals make it to the Super Bowl. Now we can start finally focusing on 2018 and beyond. And I think the one thing to kind of keep in mind, everybody, don't look at this as as a potential 10-year rebuilding project where you can completely forget about 2018, 2019, 2020. We've seen in the NFL in the last several years where you can go from pretty crappy to pretty competitive pretty quickly. And we've said on multiple episodes on this show before that we don't think that this is a complete rebuild of a roster. So have a little hope and faith that, you know, as we start our analysis of breaking down this roster and rebuilding it up again, that this is not going to be something that we're preparing for a 2029 Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean – the Eagles were in pretty rough shape last year. I mean, granted, they had drafted a franchise quarterback that year, and you know it was sort of a gamble. I mean, if Carson Wentz didn't pan out, I'm not entirely sure that they make a playoff run. I understand that Nick Foles went through the playoffs for them, but yeah, we we also forget all of the the snarky comments and the you know everything about Nick Foles coming up from week. 15 until basically the playoffs started, right? Don't you forget, Grump, all these guys, are how horrible a, you know, that three quarters of these, the quarterbacks in the final four were just not even NFL quarterbacks and Foles is the worst thing since sliced bread. So little revisionist history going on right now about Nick Foles, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Carson Wentz goes down. In, Carson Wentz goes down in week two. We're not having this conversation right now. Definitely not. Well, I mean, we'll never know, but I'm, thinking that if that were the case, we would have seen it a couple of years ago. Agreed. But if, if we want to talk about injuries, we can segue that right back into this team. You know, it wasn't the cause that the, 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 yeah, it wasn't the cause for this season to be completely lost, but it was probably the straw that broke the camel's back with this team. Just key injuries right from the get go. Um, just, it, it went from being a slim chance to be, a competitive team to a no chance pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, we haven't done any analysis. I'm sure smarter people than us have of percentage of roster and on key positions, injuries to success in the regular season and postseason. I mean, you can kind of chart the giants in the last 10 years when they've been banged up with injuries, they've gone nowhere. The years they've been relatively healthy. They've made major runs. So, yeah, and I th- that's that's one of the things that we touched on. And like the big difference between 2016 and 2017, there were two. Uh, the ball kind of fell our way. All the close games went to the Giants' way, as opposed to last year where they just last-second field goals, etc. And injuries. Uh, the 2016 Giants were pretty healthy all the way through. Nick Foles and even to a lesser extent, Case Keenum are exceptions, not rules. And one of my axioms that I live by is exceptions don't prove rules. I mean, they're exceptions. 
So don't think because Nick Foles out of nowhere played great for three games that it doesn't matter having a franchise quarterback anymore. I'll take my chances with the odds. You know, I'm not going into blackjack by staying on 15 all the time. I'm playing to the best chance of the odds. And and speaking of odds, I mean, we're really going to have to take a gamble on some free agents this year. So we're going to kind of go right into the free agent situation. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to probably start by talking about the offense. Um, there's a ton of free agents on this team and not a ton of cap space left. We're, we're talking about between 22 and $30 million of cap space, which is not a lot. There are ways for them to maneuver it, but we'll get into that. So, I mean, starting right away with the offensive line, the two big ones that I know everyone's going to talk about is Justin Pugh and Weston Richburg. I mean, in order to succeed, what what has to happen there? <laughs> both of them have to make a commitment that they want to be giants for life and we'll take pay cuts so we can keep them both, I guess. Yeah, I, okay. <laughs> in, barring that extremely unlikely scenario, I guess the question is, you know, in a vacuum, which of the two would you rather have going forward based on health and versatility and performance? And potential going forward. So both of them have health issues. Justin Pugh, I don't know if he's ever played a full season. Um, and Weston Richburg has had a couple of concussion issues. To me, Justin Pugh and Weston Richburg, skill-wise, Pugh has a slight edge over him. But where Pugh really shines is his intelligence and versatility. I mean, this guy has played all over the line. Left tackle, left guard, right tackle. To me, that's invaluable. Um, and we, we saw what even somebody like David Deal, who was, I don't think, as skilled as Justin Pugh, but he had that same versatility, and he managed to last for years and was on both Super Bowl teams, played in both yeah. Super Bowls. Especially from an offensive line, it's lacking in depth. And, then, you know, with injuries and all these different things happening, you need somebody to plug in. I mean – we're talking about keeping one or the other or, you know, on the unlikely event, both. But that's not going to solve this offensive line's problems. No. You know, there are tons and tons of problems in just keeping 50% of a shitty – 50% of the strength of a shitty offensive line is not making everybody thrilled right now. It's going to have to be built most likely through the draft in a slower process than we would hope. Yeah, I mean some people have talked about – uh, Gettleman bringing uh, Andrew Norwell over for big bucks from Carolina. I'm not sure I see that happening. He and Justin Pugh are both left guards, and I, I suppose you could make the case that you could re-sign Pugh to play right tackle and Norwell to play left guard, but it just seems like too much money to be throwing at the offensive line. Um, I think you're right. I think re-signing Pugh is important because he's a... Uh, I think he's a leader in the locker room. I think he's... You know, he's a known commodity for being versatile. That's that's a big deal. Um, and I think that working through the draft is the right way to go. And I honestly think it's one of Gettleman's draft strengths is improving the lines and not so much skill players. Now, the, the question with that is you have a 38-year-old quarterback who is probably on the last quarter to last eighth left in the tank. So if you're going to make that commitment to build – the offensive line through the draft, hmm, the, the timelines don't really sync. Well, I think they do. I, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna draft the future of the franchise, you want to put them behind 
a strong offensive line. So if you're going to, you know, and we're going to go down a rabbit hole here, I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to kind of briefly go through this. But if you want to sign Josh Rosen, who has the best mechanics in the draft, but has concussion issues, do you want him taking the hits that Eli's been taking for the last couple of years? Or do you want to use your second round pick on, you know, Billy Price to play center or Mike McGlinchey to play right tackle or something like that? I, you know, if you're going to take the franchise quarterback, you'll do whatever you can to fix the line. And in that case, you're probably going to do both free agency and the draft. But the free agencies, the, the, the guys available, and we'll go through this in the coming weeks, there's not a whole lot of offensive line guys that are, you know, the 26, 27, 28-year-olds that you're going to sign to four- to five-year contracts. That's not really what's on the market. But does the offensive line need to go from being one of the worst to one of the best? Or we need to get at least to a competent level at first, and then you can kind of build and plug in like a space here or there. I mean, we're talking we need to have two to three spots replaced this year. I, I agree with that. Uh, and. I think even if you're drafting Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, whoever, number two, Eli Manning's still playing this year, so you have that leeway to go another year. That's right. I mean, Eli Manning may be the most experienced, most expensive, quote-unquote, stopgap quarterback in the league next year, but that really might be what his role is long-term with this team is get these guys to where he can hopefully stabilize the offensive line, maybe another running back that can kind of help with the running game you know, and then, you know, hopefully by then Beckham will be signed long term and he's taken care of and, you know, and away we go. So just to be competent, they're going to have to fill the right guard, right tackle spots immediately. Um, and, then, I, and then potentially center or whatever you want to call Pew, because we're assuming that both won't be back. One, one of the one of the two will not be back. Yeah. So that's a that's a third spot you're going to have to address. Well, how did you feel about Brett Jones playing center? Do you think that he played up to a competent level? I guess a, I guess a competent level, but do we need more than just a competent when everybody's below average? Well, I think is it, Brett Jones. By the way, is a restricted free agent, so he's not really hitting the market. Um, right, you're gonna have to pay him. Yeah, we have to pay him. But I mean, is it out of the question to sign a guy like that to two years and let him be competent for two years and potentially next year draft a center to kind of sit behind him, or even in three years draft a center, and then yeah, you move. I, I think, I, this becomes more of a value question than it does an actually a performance question. And you're right. The, to, the replacement cost to, re, to replace him might be more than just keeping him at his borderline competency. Yeah. And, and I, I think competent is a good way to, to call Brett Jones. He wasn't a liability. He was a little bit better in the run than he was in the past, but he wasn't really bad at all. And, and center's not an easy position. I mean, mm-hmm. no position is easy, but he's got to be – really cognizant of what the entire offensive line is doing and he's got to kind of call the shots and he's been here long enough to do that which we were fortunate to have a backup that was you know the best cfl center yeah so he has a little more experience even than what his nfl resume is too so i guess the other really big one on the offensive line is going to be dj fluker yeah i mean he kind of signed like a one-year show me contract and you think he showed you did he, or did he show enough around the league that there will be a lot of competition for him and maybe jack up his, his market rate more than it probably deserves to be? Uh, again, I'm going to throw this one in the competent category. Uh, you know, So DJ Fluker was a tackle coming out of Alabama. He was one of those 
what they call phone booth guys who's not very side to side but is more forward and that's kind of Alabama's game is just chug forward and so when he had trouble with the speed rushers they moved him inside to guard he doesn't have the same kind of experience there so he has been okay in pass protection he's gotten beaten with little stunts um where he can't get side to side fast enough when they're passing off defensive linemen but in the ground game he showed that he has elite strength and he can push piles so you know he's not great in the pass game but he's shown himself to be competent so if you want to i don't think he'll command some crazy amount of money so like you said earlier, given the depth on this team, I don't think that re-signing him to a small deal is out of the question at all. But, again, like I like I said, is there going to be more competition for him? Because he made a – he looked better maybe than he was because what around him on the offensive line was so bad. Well, people kind of like, you know, other teams raise the price to a level that is it worth it for someone of, you know, what he is. Well, like I said, you're going to pay him a small deal. If, if if he's commanding more than that, then forget it. But I'm not that's sure. That's what I was curious, yeah. That's I'm not sure that a whole lot of teams are looking at the Giants' offensive line from last year for free agents off the scrap heap. Uh, I mean, you're pretty much looking at a shit show. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we are talking, we're talking two-fifths of it, potentially three-fifths. It may take some looks. That's 60%, which is, which is amazing to me <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah. We've been paying the offensive line for two years, and now we know two guys for sure are going to command you know, attention from the outside market and possibly a third guy. Um, and I mean long term, I, I think we're going to have to figure out what Eric Flowers is. At a certain point, someone's going to have to test this guy on the right side since so many people are talking about it. Well, this is his restricted free agent year, correct? Or is it still – how does it work? Is this his – This you is tender him, You tender him as a, a – a, extension on his rookie deal or he's not a restricted free agent yet i don't know what the deadline is but this is his fourth year so he'll be an he'll be a ufa at the end of this coming year unless they choose to exercise his fifth year option which i don't know where that deadline is i get the feeling that they won't exercise his fifth year option even though you know in the interminable dross that was the offensive line he really wasn't the worst part of it I mean, besides what uh, John Gruden and what uh, Chris Collins were blasting him early in the year, you're right. He was not the worst part of this offensive line. I think if um, the old regime was still on this with this team, I think he would get that fifth year. I think now because you have a whole new chain of command up top, I think all bets are off with his future. Yeah, he wasn't his first round pick, Gettleman's. True. They might give him this year to show. You know, they may not give him that fifth round option, but or fifth year option, but they might give him this year to show if he's worth resigning. I don't, I don't know that they're completely out on him because you know Dave Gettleman likes his hog mollies, and you know Flowers is a road grader. He's much better in the run game than he is in the pass game, I and mean, that's that's where. You know, it, it's interesting. We've now talked about two guys that are much much better in the run game than they are in the pass game, but yet the the run game was still pretty pathetic. <laughs> so whatever. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. It is an interesting thing, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's move on to to running backs um, or just backs in general. So, you know, Shane Vereen is finally entering his unrestricted free agent year. Um, I mean, we're pretty much cutting ties with him. His days are done, right? Yeah. I mean, he can't stay healthy. And quite honestly, 
he hasn't done much on the field of anything in the last you know, year and a half or so. So I think for the four point something million that he's owed or he, he got last year, we're, we're not going to uh, reinvest in that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I I don't think it was a bad signing at the time. I just I think he started out strong those that first year or so, maybe the second year too. But then the last two, he's really fallen off. I, I always felt like we never used him properly. Like I felt there always could have been a little bit of a bigger role for him in the offense. But you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 it didn't seem like he was as much of a part as he could have been based upon. You know, dealing with like a Paul Perkins or something that are kind of useless in this offense. Yeah, Orleans Darkwell is hitting the the uh, the market, and I think this this time he might start commanding some money. He had a he had a really good year stats wise on a on a bad team that couldn't run the ball, and I think that some team is going to pick him up for more money than I think he's worth. Yeah, I would I would tender a very basic amount of money for him as soon as that rate goes up any amount i back off yeah i I think a lot of his attractiveness was the value that he was he made what 1.1 million last year so i mean you get him again for like 1.3 yeah maybe you take a flyer on him but all of a sudden somebody else starting to show some interest you you just let him go there's a million there's a million only dark was in the nfl or trying to be in the nfl yeah, and to be honest, last year was really the first year that he wasn't totally banged up. So, I mean, I'm not going to sign a guy for a ton of money based on one healthy year that, like you said, there's a million of them like him. And and to be honest, he really does bring something to the table. There was that There's that one decision, one cut, just charge into the pile that was lacking on this team for a number of years. And had he stayed healthy, he probably would have been a bigger part of the offense for a couple of years. I mean that being said, that leaves us with Wayne Gallman's Paul per- Wayne Gallman, Paul Perkins, and Shane Smith, the fullback in the backfield, with both of them gone. I would not be surprised to see somebody in rounds two to four being a, a running back being picked. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think I don't think you're going to waste any money with a free agent running back, but I think they will. T- but again, I, I don't think don't don't get your hopes up too high for a guy like Barkley being pick with the second overall pick or if we trade down to four but i could definitely see second third round pick a uh, a quality back who really fights to compete to start next year yeah i'd agree with that i mean we'll get into all the draft stuff but you know yeah. i'll say this there are a number of really good backs in this it's just that barkley is on some upper echelon uh does not necessarily mean that that is suddenly our biggest hole on the roster right right um, I mean, Geno Smith is a free agent. Well, you know, they want to take a look at him and see what he can do, ruining uh, Eli's consecutive game streak. And to be pretty honest, he didn't play that terrible in that game. No, he, I think he I think he earned himself some money. He almost won that he, game. I think he earned some money as being a capable backup in this league. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with being a durable, capable backup for the next decade in the NFL. Um, the, the, having said that, I don't think that this is the team where, you know, we need to spend money on that guy right now. No, 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 no. And I think that's that's where Davis Webb comes in. I mean, whether or not we want to see if he's the future, we're not going to get into that. But for right now, I think Davis Webb, after a year of, you know, an NFL offseason and being in the conditioning and sitting behind Eli Manning, I think that should he need to come in there for a quarter, you know, for a game, it wouldn't be a total disaster. I mean, I have nothing to base that on, but I mean, I would say 
give that a shot before you're paying somebody eight million to be a backup. In spite of the anecdotal exception you saw last year, when your starting quarterback goes down, there is a very good chance your season is over. So <laughs> again, am I going to spend a lot of money for a backup quarterback who's not going to start ahead of uh, Eli Manning? You know, the, <laughs> Ben McAdoo aside, <laughs> no. So you know that money is better spent with your, under your cap for other purposes than a guy like Geno Smith. So. Um, I th- the, the tight ends on this team are pretty locked up. Uh, I think there's a solid core here with Evan Ingram and Rhett Ellison. Again, I, I've said this a couple of times. I think Rhett Ellison is going to be – if we had a competent offensive coordinator head coach last year, I think Rhett Ellison would have been more involved in the game. And when, whenever he was thrown to, he, he caught the ball. He was open. Uh, I just don't think he was in the game often enough. And I don't – obviously there wasn't enough diversity on plays. But Evan Ingram has showed himself to be everything we hoped he, he would be. I think he showed more than we hoped to be, to be very honest. I mean, I think the concerns on draft night were, well, he can't block at all. He's just another receiver. But what he showed out of, you know, catching the ball more than offset with the concerns we had for blocking. And he did enough, I think, chipping and stuff to be, you know. Capable. He was capable. Yeah, serviceable if we had to. I mean, he's never going to be a mauling tight end. But that's kind of not – well, we don't know what the offense will be. But I don't think it's going to be requiring of a guy like him to do do that. So – no, 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 and 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 maybe we'll actually have an offensive coordinator, an offense that kind of helps guys who need help, like an Eric Flowers who never gets any help with a double team or something. Yeah, just maybe something we'll to chip him inside, so he doesn't have to kick out so far and leave his inside, you know, vulnerable. He can just kind of stay inside, getting that chip help, you know. Absolutely. And and again, that goes back to just terrible coaching. You know, you kind of have to coach to your staff. I know you got a system, and this is what you think works, but. If you don't have the left tackle to do that, you don't have the left tackle to do that. Ugh. I mean, when you see it on a day-in, day-out basis, week-in, week-out, how bad this coaching staff was and how the lack of adjustments, and it was just really aggravating. So, you know, we're trying to keep 2017 as far in the rearview mirror as we can, but it's just amazing when it pops up, being reminded just how poor of a job they did and how amazing it was they had 11 wins a year before in spite of the incompetence. Yeah, I, I... – couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, I think a lot of that had to do with wide receivers, and uh, we'll get right into that. I mean, the the core of this wide receiver group is not as strong as it was going into last year. So, I mean, we have Beckham. You know, we'll. You know, he signed through next year and the year after, I believe, right? Um, or maybe he's not signed uh, through it, but we can we haven't exercised his fifth year option. But I mean, there's no way he's hitting the market. Right. I think they'll definitely work out an agreement, but I don't think it's going to be this year. I think he's going to play this year, and then they'll work it out after. I mean, for salary cap reasons, for all different things, I, you know. Well, I mean, quite frankly, he's not the biggest problem on this team right now, and I think they're going to treat it as such. I, I so I have a couple things about that. Uh, you know, if they work it out this year, what are the chances that it increases his pay this year so much that it works so much against this year's cap? Well, I guess when do they actually when are they going to address it? I mean, if it's something they're going to do after they do they swing and miss on some free agents and it has more cap space than they thought they'd have, so they can maybe speed up that process. I, I just can't believe that Gettleman and company are going to go into the off season and like that's going to be one of their top priorities is getting him taken care of. No, I don't think it's going to be a top priority, but I guess my point is 
extensions can be done mid-year too. I, I think that there's a chance that he gets extended this year and it doesn't work so much against this year's cap and more so against next year's, which is what he would have made anyway had you signed him to a long-term deal then. Right, right. And yeah, to I, be uh, honest, him coming off an injury works in the Giants' favor. Oh, sure. I mean, it, it's it's leverage they have on him to say, let's uh, let's see you do it. Let's see you perform before. I mean, it's it's a dangerous game you want to play. I mean, of course. Again, I, I think the media and the fans worry more about, oh, you're going to piss off Beckham. because. But the bottom line is Odell Beckham is Odell Beckham because he plays in New York. <laughs> you know, we've yeah. seen stars leave New York, guys like Mark Messier and stuff who – may make more money up front with a new contract somewhere else, but they don't become the same star they were before. And Odo Beckham is, he is driven and he feeds on the limelight and the spotlight. He's not going to get anywhere else in the NFL besides New York. So I think he knows that. And I think the giants know that too. I agree with you. Um, I mean, long story short, I'm just going to say this. I'm not concerned with his, what, what the uh, get off my lawn types are concerned with with him. Um, this is a guy who's never really been in trouble off the field. Um, yeah, th- he's I not Josh Brown that. beating his wife. He's not Roger Lewis getting in DUIs. Um, you know, you got to control him, I guess. Whatever. It, to me, that's more of a media distraction. And it, in my opinion, a lot of it is fed off of Mike Francesa just not liking him because he was such a key voice in this area that. I think there was some trickle down uh, coming from him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's not just the Francesas of the world. You got the Skip Baylesses, and you have those big mouths, you know, out there who are always looking to take a hot take in things. Um, you know, if you you play his video side by side of Tom Brady's video side by side of all the things they do on the sidelines and yelling and screaming and yelling at offensive coordinators and all this stuff, it's no different. You know, he just you get a reputation and it feeds on itself. And he's a he's a a charismatic guy. I mean, look at him. You know, he's got the crazy hair. He's very, you know, all over the place and stuff. And that's just good copy. Yeah, but not only that. I mean, like he's also when you say charismatic, like his teammates love him. There's no dissent about him in the locker room that we've ever heard. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the, yeah, going I, back to LSU, going back to his high school days, there's no reports of anything like that. Yeah, I mean, the reasons people want to get rid of him are very superficial relative to the bigger things. So the giants will do everything they can to keep him Yeah. without, you know, but they'll do it in a way that works the best for the team and for the cap. So there's a couple other really strange, but Sterling Shepard has shown himself to be a capable number two. I think a really good number two. When you last year, if you look at the numbers for him, when Beckham and Ingram are on the field with him, his numbers were high. And then there were blips here and there where he had like that Eagles game. I think he had like an 80 yard touchdown and he had a bunch mm-hmm. of other catches. So I, I think Shepard is, it was a, a solid pick by Jerry Reese in the second round. Uh, I think all of these guys, when they're all together, the, the aggregate of them is a lot better than the parts. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think Sterling Shepard, when you, oh, you have Odell Beckham on the other side and, oh, you have an Everett Ingram, you know, doing things over the middle and, oh, the offensive line is playing better. And I, I think you see guys like an uh, a Sterling Shepard being better than what he is individually. Agreed. Brandon Marshall is probably going to be one of the more interesting ones. So Marshall is signed into next year, but he has an easy out built into his contract. So he's due $5 million next year. 
but if he's cut, it's only a one million dollar dead hit to the cap. I, well, I guess the quest the quest you have to make with him, I guess, is what's changed your mind twelve months out from when you signed him last year? I mean, still has the same need for his role on the team. You know, same amount of money, pretty much. You had him for last year. I mean, the only real difference is he's a year older and he's got that at out for the million, like you said. Yeah, I, I mean, I think given all the things with this team, that's that's an issue. I think there's a good chance that uh, the Giants draft a six four guy to be the six four guy because, I'm, in all honesty, Brandon Marshall wasn't a huge different difference maker running through the open field last year. I mean, whether or not that was a product of the offense, we won't ever know because we weren't in those meeting rooms. You know, we don't know what the play calls are, etc. And it we haven't like seen him in practice, so he's another guy like uh, Shane Vereen. Like, just never seen he was to be a part of the flow. Yeah, and then he got hurt, and that was the end of it. Yeah, um, and and I I do think that Brandon Marshall is a capable guy. I don't think he was used probably properly. And how many plays last year were him and uh, Beckham on the field together? Uh, well, seemed like many. Yeah, well, the two of them were went down in the same game. Uh, week right. five and Beckham was out weeks one and two and in week three was mostly invisible because he was kind of coming back too early so, so I mean, how, how many are we talking maybe a hundred snaps for the whole year where the two of them were together I, I mean I agree with you I'm just saying for five million bucks a guy who you essentially signed because he's six four at this point you know last year he was only due a million or three million bucks it, it's not a huge investment and you got nothing to go off of except hope. He gets hurt. Now he's coming off an injury. You're going to pay him $5 million to do it again based on the same hope. I mean it's just hope now because you have nothing to base it off of. Or are you going to draft a guy who's 6'4"? Or sign a different guy who's 6'4"? You know? and don't forget that Evan Ingram is 6'4". And he's got a whole year in the system. Yeah, but he does bring a skill set in though that uh, you know some guy off the street you're hoping for the best for. I mean we've had – We've had a few guys come in there six four, six five, and have been absolutely useless. Of course, yeah. Um, and and don't don't. I would like to have Brandon Marshall on this roster next year because for all the reasons that we're talking about, that they we really didn't get to see what that would have been like, and also the offensive line was totally not addressed, so the whole offense was a shit show anyway. But I, I just don't know for five million dollars, it could be spent if it's spelt spent better elsewhere. I wouldn't be totally destroyed. Yeah, there are so many question marks. Like, what's the first move and what's the – we just don't know what Gettleman and what his priority is right now. Yeah. I mean, if he's going to go all in for offensive line rebuild, Brandon Marshall might be a casualty. You know, if it's something where he's just going to plug holes here and there and he may be back. So this one, I, it's hard to read this one whether he'll be back next year or not. Yeah, and the other one is, is Dwayne Harris. And this is pretty much the last one. I mean, the other one's Roger Lewis. He's – you know, he signed. I don't think there's any need to cut him. It's not going to save anything. Whether he's a big, whatever, whether he makes the roster is, you know, up for debate in a like couple months. But Dwayne Harris is a guy who has underperformed the last two years. He got hurt last year early, the same game as Brandon Marshall and Beckham. Um, but again, this is he's due three million dollars. The, the cap hit if he cut him one point six. It's not a lot. Uh, there's a chance that he could leave and. I think that when he's played wide receiver, he's brought something. It just hasn't happened often. So, again, this might be a product of the offense. 
Um, but we as, also were told when when he was signed for the you know the money seemed a little higher than we thought it was going to be was well he's not he's a wide receiver also yeah. I don't think for as much as we've seen him the time he's been with the Giants justifies the additional amount we paid because of that wide receiver component exactly but I I just want to reiterate something because a lot of Giants fans are assuming that he's gone because of the savings it's not a ton of money that you're saving. Again, $3.2 million is just slightly above what Brandon Marshall made last year. And that the cap hit is still 1.6. So you're looking at, at, at a million and a half anyway. It's it's not some massive savings by getting rid of him. I don't think he's a lock to be gotten rid of. I think a lot's going to depend on his injury. And don't forget that he's a four-team special teams player. He's more than yeah. just his punt and kickoff returns. He does play gunner. He's probably one of the best in the league, top five. Easy. Top if we five. were if we were scraping right up against the salary cap, I think that'd be one thing. But we're not – I mean, yeah, we have some tightness, but we're not rubbing right up against it where every dollar counts. So, so on offense, where's your biggest priority and who's your probably second biggest priority? Well – I mean, the biggest part of me is always going to be the offensive line. Yeah. And I think Justin Pugh, I think, would be the guy, you know, I would I would make the biggest effort to re-sign. I think for the reasons we discussed, the versatility, the talent, the leadership. Um, it's bad enough, like we said, we're going to have to we're going to have to rebuild you know, 40 percent of this offensive line anyway. If we lose him now, you're talking three fifths of it. And that's simply it'll never be repaired this year. And you're putting your 38 year old quarterback at tremendous risk. So I, I, I think he is job a is getting him resigned. Man, I, I couldn't agree with you more uh, right up there. I, I don't think Weston Richburg is really high on my list. He doesn't show me a whole lot that he's worth whatever. Some other team is probably going to try and pay him his concussion injury. You know, of all the injuries that worry me, concussions are one of the biggest because there's just no predicting them, and once sure. it seems to be with some guys, once they get one, they get two, then they get three. It's like you start a, looking it's like at retirement. A, it's like having a car and you get into a wreck. Yeah, you can replace it, and you can fix everything, but it's never the same. Yeah, and I think concussions. Your, when your brains get scrambled like that, they're never the same. And and don't forget, just because he's had three in the NFL, that means he's had three. I mean, this guy's. All of these guys have had concussions. High school. Where oh, you know sure. the medical equipment is not right there on the sidelines, they just kind of have to go off of like, oh, he's seeing stars, better sit him. And I'm not saying high well, schools yeah. don't try to prevent that. It's just it's not the same as having a they protocol right on I the sideline. And also the um, the awareness is not the same as the, even five years ago is different than sure. now. So you know, CTE was not a a term that was used five years ago. And and the, to to be honest, getting concussions in high school is a younger brain that's still developing is much more devastating than getting one in your upper twenties. So, uh, I, I mean, I agree with you. Justin Pugh is my priority number one on offense. My priority number two is probably finding an extension for Beckham or at least making some progress on that. Um, I would say don't listen to the rhetoric you're going to hear from Beckham and or his agent in the next three months because you're probably going to hear the you're going to go down that path of yes I would like an extension to I need an extension to I'm going to be sitting out OTAs and you know I, I don't think it makes much sense to be holding out this year with a new coach and new coaching staff and all right so next week we're going to kind of run through the same same thing state of the roster on the defensive side um, be sure to follow us on Twitter for any updates news offensive coordinator news um, I'm at football underscore grump. 
and the show will always be tweeted out at, at just giants pod and we are on itunes and soundcloud just search the name and download you can find me as always at the cranky fan on this program and on Mark and the cranky fan where we discuss all things florida gator football we are in a parallel universe discussing a new coach and a new offense and new players and who to keep and everything so <laughs> some things never change at all. All right, everyone. See you next time. Go Giants. Go Giants.